And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I'm Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Winshaw coming us from shiny Florida. How are you doing, Seth? Good. Hopefully I'm not that shiny. <laughs> no, the, the state is shiny, not shiny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, let's jump in and we're going to start, as you can expect, with the biggest news of the week that came out just yesterday. Uh, surprising, I think, for most people. For what was surprising for me, um, and uh, that's uh, Ford kind of borrowing the lead a little bit with this one. But they came out of this this meeting between uh, Jim Jim Farley, this Twitter space, really. Um, oh, this is this keeps popping up. I don't know. If this is terrible. This one we don't need it. We don't need it. Um, Different browser. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe I should try to get Chrome. Like, some weeks it's working bigger than another. All right. So Ford, Jim Farley sits down with uh, Elon Musk to uh, make a Twitter space. And the way that they phrased it, at first, I wasn't sure if it's going to be an announcement of it was just going to be Elon like pushing spaces again. <laughs> it's just after the DeSantis announcement, uh, just the day prior to that. And uh, I thought he was just like really pushing hard spaces because he was um, – uh, like a, the week before that, after the shareholder meeting, uh, yeah, like a CNBC interview and insisted that it's going to be on Spaces and everything. So like when I saw that Ford and that Jim Farley is going to have um, a Spaces with uh, with Elon, I wasn't I wasn't exactly sure if it was going to be a thing or not. Um, and then I was surprised because they started the announcement saying that uh, Tesla and Ford partner to facilitate Ford EV owners using the supercharger network. And they say, oh, 12,000 the Ford EV owners going to have access to 12,000 superchargers next year. That 12,000 superchargers in North America, that's all Tesla superchargers in North America. So we thought, okay, so uh, it shows that Tesla is going to just keep opening up and they're going to work with Ford with that. That's nice. But then the real news is that right after that, they say, but in 2025, Ford's going to start implementing Tesla's, well, we should try to stop using the, saying that it's a Tesla plug. Next. Yeah, the NAX, the North American charging standard, which is the original Tesla proprietary plug, but that they opened up to try to make it a standard last year. But when they did that, we were like, it was, uh, most people were saying it's just too little, too late. Like that would have been good maybe like five years ago would have worked, but now like CCS as one in North America, like they did in in Europe or CCS2 in Europe. So now... It, it, it's still alive. The idea is still alive. It's the, we'll see if it's going to create a domino effect because Ford has announced that they will integrate it in its future, its next generation vehicles starting in 2025. So that means like the new uh, Ford F-150, that uh, electric that's supposed to come out, that's going to follow the lightning. Um, now, they didn't say if they're going to just, is they going to go exclusively Nax or if they're going to do a dual charger type of thing? Um, that That would be telling. I had, um, I asked Ford that directly, and they said they they're not sure yet. They're not sure yet. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I, I think I think you can afford to go just Nax and be perfectly fine with it. And if you go just Nax, then that's that puts a little bit more pressure maybe on the on the others. Uh, we'll see if it's going to create a domino effect just yet or not. I think you need you need one other big one to really make a difference. What do you think, Seth? I agree. Uh, I think. This is a huge uh, moment in the, uh, you know, the electric uh, vehicle world. Until yesterday, CCS combo would have been the, you know, the odds-on favorite to be the the standard going forward. 
Uh, now it's kind of up in the air. I think Ford might be waiting to see if other, uh, maybe even, you know, charging manufacturers jump on. So, well, um, EVGO has, has jumped on. Right. But um, like Flow and uh, Electrify America and, mm. you know, all the others, like, are they going to jump in there as well? And then, you know, we, we were talking uh, earlier about like some other manufacturers, like, you know, will Rivian go and will Rivian move their mm-hmm. network over? Or will, um, I mean, I guess Volkswagen would be the last one to go because they have, I mean, I don't know. They have. They have the American uh, Electrify America, but like you said, they, they could switch Electrify America. They, they're not married to the CCS at Electrify America. It would be uh, a task to retrofit, but they can also just do an adapter like already exists. Um, so th- there's a lot of things that can happen. So the thing, that, the big news with this this week, I think, is like it opens up possibly. Like you said before this week, even though there's more Tesla connectors out there than CCS in North America, CCS was the favorite to just take over, uh, even after Tesla opened the standard last year. Uh, now I think if they're still favorite, just because of the momentum, how many. EV makers are favoring it, but the fact that Ford, which like is not a big player in the EV space right now in terms of volume, but it, it's planning to be, and and they have two very good EV models available for sales right now with the Mustang Mackie and the and the uh, F150 Lightning, which both became like a lot more attractive just just from that just from that announcement. Like in one, just saying this makes those two vehicles more attractive to buyers. Um, even if right now it would mean using it with an adapter. But that's a big difference. Uh, we should go back to the announcement too because we are very focused on Ford integrating the Tesla connector or the Nax connector into the vehicle. But part of the announcement too is more like immediate. And I, I assume that's Ford, they wanted that to try to boost sales, obviously, because uh, otherwise people are going to just be waiting for the Fords that have the Nax. Um, is that... Right now, Tesla is already. Right. So at first, I was a bit confused by the news because, like, what does that mean? Having access to twelve thousand superchargers because Tesla is already opening up their supercharger network to the Magic Dot thing. But uh, what Elon made clear is that actually they're going to offer an adapter to Ford owners. And he so, said it was going to be like a hundred, two hundred bucks, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He mentioned a hundred dollars, but he didn't like that's. As it's often the case with Elon and Tesla, it's like it, it doesn't seem to be fully baked, uh, this idea right. just yet, because he, was, he wasn't sure about that. Then he was also asked on the call about uh, the charge rate, if Ford owners are going to be limited in the charge rate compared to Tesla owners. And uh, he, at first, he was kind of uh, skating a little bit on the question, but then he was like, we will make sure that the adapter is not the bottleneck or the supercharger is not the bottleneck. So it's going to be on Ford's sides of thing to be able to take the highest possible uh, charge rate. So, the, But the way he said it, it made it sound like the adapter is not ready at all. Like That's what it sounded like to me. Yep. Um, but it's, it's a nice idea that Ford owners are going to be able to just buy a relatively cheap adapter and then automatically get access to all Tesla supercharger rather than wait for those Magic Docs ones, which... Uh, now, also, that is implication on Tesla's approach now to opening up the supercharger network to other EVs. Because are they are they going to keep going with the Magic Duck approach, or if, are they going to just sell those, those adapters not just to Ford, but to other EVs too? That's a great question. Is you yeah. know kind of what I was thinking as well. Like if they can sell a hundred dollar adapter to Ford, why not sell to everybody else? Yeah. Um, and then 
the you know another question is like are they going to change like when you know when ford is building their own uh ccs and i think uh carl or dan overstays asked this in the comments like when ford decides to build its uh NACs into its cars it's going to have to build it into a place like where yeah they can that's charge a good news. yeah so they'll put it probably in the back of mm-hmm. the ford although that's not great for if you're towing uh so you know but they'll have to put it on the corner of of the vehicle somewhere um which will be much better for you know it won't take up two spots at, at least yeah um, but still i mean there's still a lot of questions here I, i'm kind of like if you can build a hundred dollar adapter and make the adapter pretty easy to use i don't know it doesn't seem like yeah. that big i a mean deal. the magic duck is uh, i think a better solution in terms of user experience because you there's no chance of forgetting adapter which right. can happen so you eliminate you, you want to make anything as dumb proof as possible and that's a big one obviously and, and then you very simple to use with the app show up unlock plugging in and it's charging very simple to use so not that big of a difference with the adapter being in the end of the con- consumer but uh yeah just a little bit tiny little difference either way i think it's good news all around Mm-hmm. Good news for Ford, obviously, just made all their electric vehicles a lot more useful. Um, a good news for Tesla in the sense I know that Tesla owners are not super happy about, uh, not all Tesla owners, but some of them are not happy about more traffic at the supercharger network. But I think Tesla is going to compensate that with um, more chargers, period. And now for Tesla, it's a plus because they are making their supercharger network a bigger business and using that money to... Um, grow the network and that's that's a big thing for tesla too like tesla is gonna probably like own long distance chargings in in the u.s if it keeps going that way um now i think it's also a win for the broader ev market because i think it's gonna force uh these other charging network to up their game significantly uh at least i'm hoping that's it's me a little bit hopeful on that front all right i'm gonna try to share the screen as well see if i can do that yeah, it seems to be working for you. Yeah. Yeah, because anyway, now we need to see it from the Cybertruck because we want to see the Cybertruck. <laughs> All right. Uh, drop to the other picture that you see. We see it a little bit better. Yeah, okay. Oof. Uh all right. So this picture leak, it looks like it's the Cybertruck prototype that was at the uh, Tesla uh annual shareholder meeting that we saw picture from the outside, not the inside. And this picture is, is not being well received by the Tesla community for the most part. Not impressed. I think the bigger problem, it might be uh, the effect of the camera too. We might be like stretching it out a little bit. But I mean, we knew that the dash was going to be big. We, we knew just from the form factor of the, of the truck, it's going to have a big dash. But it looks almost weird how big it is. Like it looks like it should be like different. <laughs> Uh, also if you go up a little bit people are complaining about the uh pillar uh the the um the obstruction of the view from the pillar um i don't think that's huge but like it also was to be expected because of the form factor um then we got a good look at the steering wheel of the cyber truck the first very good look at the steering wheel confirms there's no stock so um, I mean, that's also what I was expecting with the Model S and X that Tesla has moved that away. We see the use of the force touch buttons again. And then it looks like some kind of hybrid between the um, 
yoke and the round steering wheel found in the um, Mall S and X, basically, because it does it does have a top and a bottom, unlike the yoke, but it is uh, not exactly round either. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a weird thing, I think, for truck drivers to uh, get used to. There, yeah, it seems and you're not strangely supposed small. to drive this truck. It's going to be fully self-driving, right? So right, who cares? right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that goes. Yeah, the entire picture also uh, confirms. Well, this seems to confirms that Tesla has given up the idea of having a a center seat in the in the third row in the, in the front row. Sorry, because uh, this looks like uh, not the the one that was similar prototype. It looks like immovable and uh, and then there's also some room uh, in the center console though in front, like they used to be in the old Model S and X uh, original one, where like you can put uh, your purse there or something. Yeah. So I want to talk about this uh, dashboard. Yeah. Like, I feel like that is like a front camper bedding area. You could sleep. <laughs> That's a good. Very, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, it seems quite large. Actually, uh, you probably could put a big solar panel down there, <laughs> like a, you know, like a rooftop, you know, three by five solar panel, make some, make some electricity. Yeah, I mean, it, it's usually, it, it looks like it's not flat. I don't know if it's the, uh, like, like, it looks like uh, Alcantara material. So I don't know right. if it's, it's just like sometimes you just put your hand on the Alcantara and it changes the color on one side. But uh, it looks like it's not flat, but the front, it like lifts up a little bit. It's uh, it's a weird look. There's just no way around it. It's uh, it's going to take some use to. But again, I think it might be also the point of view of the, of the camera. It might be a little bit weird if they go with the wide lens, but from the top. Yeah. Well, the good good news is that you can't really see that uh Giga Wiper. Uh No. That is uh kind of off to the side there. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Carlin Santiago says it's a dog bed. It could yeah. be a bed for like a a Doberman, it's so big. Yeah. <laughs> Dashing or whatever. But yeah, but we pulled a little bit around uh, people seeing the pictures, and uh, other than like the Tesla super fans, a lot, a lot of people have impressed. Like, uh, I mean, it's minimalist, but we we anticipated that. Uh, and Model Three, Model Y interior is minimalist, but I think it just works a little bit better than this. And uh, it has to be the form factor is limiting. Like, what what do you do instead of this dash? Like, what can you do? Can you bring the cabin a little bit forward so it's not so? I assume that they brought it as forward as they could, right? There's no, there's no way around. Like... Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like you've got a really. You're starting from a very weird point where you have this like triangular cockpit area, and it's hard to make that look, especially with Tesla's minimalist kind of style. It's hard to make this look like anything that you're used to or comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Cause normally if you had like, you can, they would have to have gone with some kind of like Mercedes Benz type of like full screen all around, like that hides most of it uh, from side to side, but because they stuck to the same uh, screen or maybe it's a little bit bigger in a cyber truck. I'm not so sure, but still it's nowhere big enough to hide that. Dash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I mean, this it's so close to production that I would assume this is pretty much what we're going to see in the uh, production version. Yeah, uh, it is. It is weird that uh, usually we get about fifty percent uh, liking things and fifty percent not liking things when it comes to Cybertruck, and I feel like this one was like ninety-five percent dislike. So yeah, yeah, easily, easily. All right, the next news is the 
hardware 4.0 from Tesla is making its way to the Model Y. Some of the Ys have been spotted uh, at delivery centers with the uh, 4.0 sensor suite. And uh, in the um, codes on the inventory, new inventory website, ready for delivery, uh, some vehicles have shown up with uh, hardware 4.0. And, and this is just what's weird about Tesla with not doing the model year thing. And I mean, this is go beyond just not doing the model year. It's just, I think they're just being very shady because they, they, they don't want anyone to not buy because they're waiting for the car. But it, at this point, it's been months because we had the Model S and X too that already has the hardware 4.0. Now the Model Y gets it, so only the Model 3 doesn't have it. And uh, Tesla still hasn't like officially announced anything about it. Elon did mention it officially once. He said like, yeah, it's coming and everything. And it's going to be like, he, he didn't, he just said like, it's going to be certain, like a little bit of um, some percentage better than, uh, um, than Hardware 3. And he still believes obviously that uh, they can deliver self-driving on Hardware 3, but uh, that is, Hardware 4 is going to enable some higher performance. Okay. But uh, uh, other than that, everything we knew about it, we know from seeing the actual sensor seat, uh, the teardown that was done by, um, was it Nginx or was it Green? Uh, I don't remember, but uh, the teardown of the computer that shows that uh, the radar uh, is uh, is there. So there's a new radar. Uh, there's the different setup with the configuration of the camera with the potential to have a third front-facing camera. And now there's only two. Um, there's the new one that are in the uh, uh, the front, the fenders. And in the back, too, it's a different position. Other than that, about the hardware in themselves, the cameras, the lenses have been upgraded, um, and the computer itself. Like it was an incremental improvement on the computer side of things. But that's all from like information that we get from teardowns and from um, uh, from seeing the cars. Tesla hasn't even updated their website, saying that these new features are available in the car. Not. The radar is not there. If you go in the Model S and X, they don't talk about radar. <laughs> they just talk about the cameras, even though we know that there's a radar in a car. So it's, uh, it's, that's what's a little bit weird about Tesla with these things. Like they just, uh, they were being very hush hush about that stuff. Yeah. And I have to say, like, it'd be kind of a bummer to get, like, if you bought a car now to get a uh, hardware three, even though today hardware three is going to operate much better than hardware. Oh, four. yeah. Good point. But, but, you know, going forward, hardware four is going to be a little bit better. Would assume yeah, eventually. Yeah. And then, so only the Model Three now does not have it. Uh, I don't know if it's because maybe of the Highland they're waiting because the Highland must be like just weeks to months max away from launch. We're talking about Q3, and we're at the end of Q2 already. So um, maybe they're waiting to launch that with the new hardware. I'm not so sure. I would really like to sit down Elon Musk and talk like just about FSD and try to quench some of our concerns about it because uh, uh, there's there's a lot to be concerned about with this hardware stuff, but also like he he said that the shareholder meeting about these um, local maximum that Tesla is reaching and he doesn't and then they don't see it and that's what's creating the delays. But then he's like, now we think we are we we get it we're getting it now. They're like, what makes you think that you're not in another local maximum? And like yeah. that's what I would like to to understand because he was he explained it very well, but then he, he didn't explain so what if we we're just not seeing the next local maximum? I don't know. 
But um, yeah, and moving on, we are going to talk about the Model Y uh, coming out right now in uh, in Berlin with the BYD Blade cells. Uh, so that's been something that we've been following for a while, and it's the new form factor that BYD has been um, doing. That's uh, we call it blade cells because it's it looks like a blade. Uh, they're very thin pouch cells, but long, much longer. Normally, a pouch cell is about a few inches wide. This one is uh, looks like a few feet wide. Um, LFP also, um, so a lot of vehicles have been going that way. And um, now they're producing them out of Gigafactory Berlin. And uh, the interesting thing is that we're already getting some data about uh, the charging speed of it. So we see here the charging curve have been done. Um, and the interesting thing about this charging curve is that while it looks like it's getting the same charge rate peak charge rate as the CATL LFP cells, it is maintaining that charge rate for a longer period of time. And then as it tempers off, it's also maintaining a higher charge rate through uh, an extended state of charge. So in this case here, you can see um, getting to about 175 kilowatts all the way through 50% state of charge instead of uh, closer to like 30% state of charge for the CATL cells. So just that, that 20%, Going to 50 is going to happen much faster. So that's good. And then you can still stay over 100 kilowatts uh, past uh, 70%. So, uh, or actually around 70%, it starts to, uh, to temper off below 100, uh, which is also pretty good. Um, I would have liked some timing on that, but I would assume you get from uh, 10 to uh, 80 in under 30 minutes, easy, probably 20 minutes. Yeah, any improvement there would be beneficial. So, yeah. to, like, talk to me about the red line and the green line here. Is that uh, it says BYD seven C sixty kilowatt hour? Yeah. So those two are the two new BYDs, but uh, different. Like, charging session obviously can be affected by a bunch of different factors. Gotcha. So I don't know exactly what happened there. Uh, could be temperature. Could be uh, if you enter the charge supercharger in the navigation, so it preheated the battery. There's a lot of things that can be um, affecting it. Uh, but you can see the consistent, at least from the longer charge rate. Even though it doesn't maintain it as high for as long, it's pretty close. So it could be a temperature issue. Right. Yeah, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was happy about that. Now, obviously, we want to see how it performs too in the cold because that has been a concern for LFP cells. But uh, I'm going to have to wait until the next winter in Europe for that. Yep. Uh, Elon had a quick little comment during the, his interview with the Wall Street Journal at the CEO Council from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I'm not, I, I listened to the whole thing. It was not super, if you follow Elon closely, there was not a lot of new stuff. But he did mention that uh, Tesla plans to probably, of course, uh, announce a new Gigafactory location by the end of the year. Uh, so that's always exciting. And we, we knew that even though Gigafactory Mexico was just announced a few months ago, we knew that there has to be at least another one, maybe two more announced relatively shortly because not all Gigafactories come online as fast as like Shanghai and maybe Mexico, we'll see, because Mexico already looks to be behind <laughs> the schedule of, uh, of Shanghai that they wanted to uh, imitate. So if it normally it takes at least like two, three years to get to production and then to get to volume production, it's another two years after that. So 
we're talking about uh, most likely like a five years timeline to get actual like high volume out of this thing. Uh, and um, from from signing a deal, I mean, or groundbreaking, however you want to put it. And if the goal is 20 million cars a year by 2030, you got to make these deals soon. And another one is going to come by the end of the year. Now, where could it be? We've heard, of course, Canada has been rumored for a while. Uh, I think it could still be in play, though, Canada. At the same time, Tesla looks to also be interested in maybe not uh, a vehicle factory, but a battery factory. Or nowadays, Tesla is also getting into precursors to, to battery cells production. So we might be seeing that, too. I don't know. Other than that, India sounds like it's close to a deal and it would make it would make a lot of sense for Tesla to have another factory in Asia. And more recently, too, we've heard France. Uh, Elon met with uh, French President uh, Macron and they, they said that a uh, big investment is likely from Tesla in the future. Uh, and it also makes sense for Tesla to have a second factory in Europe. Um, but yeah, I think I think a, India, if it's this year, the announcement in India, most likely. And I wouldn't be surprised if Canada is still in the running, though, again, maybe not for a full vehicle factory. All right. The Tesla files. Yeah, that was a weird one. So that also happened yesterday. It's uh, how do you pronounce that? Endelsblatt? Yeah, I guess. Endelsblatt. Yeah, Endelsblatt, so it's a German newspaper. They claim to have insiders uh, releasing 100 gigabits of information uh, from Tesla. And Tesla confirmed it, though they didn't say it's several insiders. They are talking about a single insider, most likely a service employee that gained access to more information that normally service employees have access to, downloaded it before uh, leaving leaving the company. Uh, Tesla did say he's, he's a former employee and these Tesla says that they're going to take actions against them because they, this is stolen information. Um, now, Endelsblatt is keeping that information and they are releasing articles that based on their interpretation of this information. And so far, I'm just, I'm not super impressed by the reporting. It looks like they're just trying to like make Tesla look back on, look bad on autopilot. They talk about, um, uh, like 3,000 reports of uh, autopilot failure. Uh, and they say like, this is like a huge deal. But honestly, uh, I'm not surprised to hear 3,000 reports of autopilot failure. Like this, like autopilot, there's been billions of miles written on autopilot at this point. There's millions of vehicles, millions, like four, maybe not four, but close to four million um, Tesla vehicles that are equipped with autopilot and then you're driving autopilot most days several miles so we're talking about billions of miles ridden on autopilot eh, so the fact that there's 3,000 incident reports i'm not surprised by it um and the so the most concerning part of it is probably the leak in itself because it includes apparently confidential information on consumers and employees so the fact that it happened is not good but um uh, on the consumer side of things, and that released a tool where you're supposed to check. You can check if your car is part of that leak. And uh, I uh, I partnered up with uh, with Jason Huge and to to check. And he put a he put a script on it and he checked a thousand mm-hmm. uh, VIN pretty fast. And um, only only thirteen came back 
positive and it's not mm. exactly clear what kind of information they have on these cars. It's it looks more heavy on the employee side of things. Like um and it is concerning if an employee can easily have access to uh, social security information and salary information for all employees. That's not good. So Tesla should definitely tighten things up. But on the autopilot side of things, I was not impressed on, on what came out of it. And what, what I like to, and I posted it on Twitter, the, uh, the editor-in-chief of Engels that he posted an opinion piece where he justified posting the stolen information uh, which I, I don't I like. It's okay to get sources and post information, but he, he said like this needs to be in the public domain, and then all of the articles are behind paywall. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. This came out just today. Uh, this is uh, new. It's uh, Tesla Electric. So we, we we've been uh, seeing uh, the the early days of Tesla Electric, which is a new division for Tesla. That's an actual electricity retailer. Uh, in Texas for now, but obviously they plan to expand um, to other markets. It's just that they have received approval in Texas uh, that has a kind of a far west style uh, electric utility market where it's uh, um, free for all and uh, uh, for good and for bad. But for good, they enabled Tesla to launch this thing. They announced it earlier this year at the um, Investor Day where they're going to do unlimited overnight charging. So the they have you get on Tesla's rates, which they posted actually today. Looks like decent rate, about nine cents per per kilowatt hour, and um, overnight you can pay thirty dollars a month, and no matter how much kilowatt hour that you use during that night to charge, uh, it's thirty dollars a month. That's that's all. It, it, so a dollar a day. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, a dollar a day. So charging your car to full capacity going to cost you a dollar, uh, basically. It's going to be great for Uber drivers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That but everyone that uh, that use uh, that use their cars heavily during the day, it's it's going to be great news. And um, now what they're doing, they're doing a little incentive thing. So it, it's weird. It looks like they want to both onboard people on that program and also use it because it's also an incentive to buy a Tesla. Because if uh, you you put that um, process into the cost of ownership and it's going to reduce your cost of ownership. Um, but it hasn't launched. It's launching in July, apparently. And but they are. You can already. We put a link to a tool on the website on on the um, electric uh, regulators in Texas, where you can check if you are eligible uh, to the Tesla electric plan. And if you are, you can buy a Model Three and say that you're going to get on that plan. And they're going to pay for your first year, basically, overnight charging. So uh, your first year is going to be free. You're going to charge your car for free overnight. So it's basically it's $30 a month that you're going to save for the first year. Um, and that's if you take delivery of the car by the end of June, obviously. So it's, it's like a little end of a, end of a quarter incentive from Tesla, but just for people in Texas that can be on, the, on this rate. And that can be anyone, but uh, basically you just need to uh, uh, be able to charge your car on your own uh, electric meter. So even if you're in an apartment, but you can plug your car in an um, electric meter that is connected to your account, you can do it. Um, so that's interesting. Also, you don't need a Tesla connector. Everything is done through the car. You don't need a Tesla power wall. You don't need any of that. You're literally, your electricity provider is going to be Tesla. What's interesting is... There's nothing that would stop Tesla from doing this to other EV owners. 
Uh, I, I, I think maybe they would need a charger. They would need something Tesla to control the charge rate because that Tesla needs to oversee the charge rates from like it needs to be after 10 p.m. before 6 a.m. I think. Yeah, but you could just buy a Tesla charger with one of yeah. those. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. There's, I yeah, that's right. There's no about. I mean, right now they say that they're doing it from the car side, so maybe that's they need to update oh, something right. on the charger side because uh, you, you see you don't need a Tesla charger even to do it. So. Yeah. But it's an interesting new uh, feature that Tesla is working on. Oh, yeah, we had the little exclusive this week, too, on the Tesla Powerwall 3. We had the exclusive that it is coming just earlier this month. Uh, we got we saw that it was uh, certified by electric utilities in the U.S., but there's still new information about it. Now an electric reader sent us this um, PV hazard control system documentation that was under um, Tesla solar installation documentation that they're about to do so it looks like this is starting to plan to install those power walls now uh, to a new installation that are linked to the solar system that they sell and uh, in those we don't have that much information about the specs of the power wall three but there was one thing that we knew is the uh, power output so it does mention the power output of 11.5 kilowatts which is uh, higher than the peak power output of the power wall plus which was 9.6 kilowatts However, if I'm looking at those rated power outputs there, it looks like it's the um, maximum continuous power when the grid, when it's on the grid. Uh, the actual power wall have a higher max output if they are off-grid mode. And I would, it looks like these are on-grid mode, so I would assume that the power output of power 3 is even greater than 11.5 uh, because that's 7.6, I think, for the uh, power wall plus. So if, if it goes from 7.6 to 11.5 uh, on, on just the on-grid, it could be much higher in the off-grid. So that's mm. interesting. So that's 7.6 to 11.5. I think that's 50% higher, literally. So it's a big, a big upgrade. Now that's on the power side of things. It's not on the energy storage, energy capacity of it. So currently the Powerwall Plus has 13.5, and that has been the case since... Um, Powerwall 2. So this, uh, we don't know if there's going to be an upgrade on that front. I would assume if, if the power output has increased so much, I would assume the energy capacity has increased too. Now, by 50%, I don't know. But I could see something between like 16 and, and 20 kilowatt hour because that could probably make it a lot easier for the installation where you have just one to install because now a lot of this installation are installing two of them at a time and installing two of something is a little, take longer than installing one of something. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. So, you know, 7.6, that's uh, 32 amps. 11.5, that's 48 amps. That's that's 11.5 is going to be enough power to power almost every house, yeah. um, you know, reasonably. So uh, one, one power wall is going to be kind of the default. Yeah, because that's the thing that a lot of people don't think about when they, they, they think they need a power wall where... Um, they think, oh yeah, thirteen point five is, is is good. It's it's enough for like I lose electricity for a few hours or whatever, which is true. But the limitation is actually more on the continuous power side, or at least it was for Powerwall two at five kilowatts. Like it, most home needed at least two, and uh, even with the Powerwall Plus at seven point six, it was also somewhat limiting in nine point eight off grid. So now, uh, and that, it's also a big deal for the discharge rate for those that are using the net metering because um, 
if you're sending in energy back to the grid, the limitation, the limitation factor is the power output of the power wall. So now if you have one of those uh, events in California, for example, we're talking about uh, just these, these few nights in September that's going to pay for your whole power wall, basically, in California under the, the new uh, rules where you're getting like $2 per kilowatt uh, hour that you, that you have. You're going to put out a lot more kilowatt hours during those two hours if you have uh, 11.5 capacity of uh, power output. Yep, that's pretty sweet. And I would assume that the whole Powerwall three is going to be unveiled relatively soon. If we're if we're getting a trickling information like that all the time. Oh, the BMW i five was fully unveiled this week, and uh, looks like a nice sedan. Honestly, um, I think uh, I think people are going to be a little bit more happy with this one than uh, the previous um, high vehicle from from bmw and like the kidney uh kidney grill has been toned down a bit now looks a little bit more like the versions on the uh, internal combustion engine bmws so not, i know a lot of people are a lot of people are not a fan of them but i think i think these are a lot more palatable does that make sense yeah yeah but it, it, just, it just looks more like a regular like bmw they don't make it look so much like hey look at me it's electric it's just it, like BMW has some great design. They don't need to do that. Great design, except for those inputs on the interior that we just like. I hate their their user inputs inside. Oh, the the dial. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, the dial is just not a great concept. Just give me a good touch screen or, or some analog buttons. I don't need the and then need the dial. Um, yeah. So what are the specs on these things? Like, um, I'm gonna need uh, to see the articles. I don't remember. I mean, the yeah. size of it, the size is basically a five series. That's, uh, we know that. Let's see. But, uh, all right. Do you see now? Specs and pricing go all the way down, probably. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the E Drive 40, the base model is 335 horsepower. Eh, kind of okay. 295 foot pound torque, um, sport mode. Zero to sixty in five point seven seconds. That's not going to impress too many people. Uh, but the faster version uh, is going to go. See, the E Drive Forty is two ninety five miles on a charge. Three point seven seconds on the. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three zero to sixty in three point five on the E Drive, the M sixty. So that. That's the one you're gonna probably want to get. <laughs> Recommendation: uh, two ninety-five miles of range. Um, that's B- BMW estimated, but that's probably is that WLTP or uh, not? Yeah, that's no. BMW estimate, not EPA. And then mm-hmm. the the faster one is only gonna have two hundred fifty-six miles of range. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a disappointment there. Yeah, two fifty-six is not horrible, but it's not gonna blow anybody away. Yeah, I mean uh, this car also, but it sits a little bit more in a, like a different, uh, not uh, like a segment that is not super electrified right now. Like these bigger sedans, like these mid-range sedans. It's not like a Model Three. It's not like a Model S. It's not like an EQS. It's not like it's it's uh, sits in between a little bit because uh, the pricing is not horrific on it. It's not like an eighty thousand dollar car, is it? I think it starts at sixty thousand. Yeah, 66. 66. Oh, yeah. So it's not cheap because uh, you won't 
get access to the tax credit on those. Yep. So, yeah. So you need to really want one. That's a problem in the US though with the tax credit. Like if you don't have access to it and you yep. have another car that you have access to it, you're like, I mean, it's free money. I'm going to take the free money. Right. But at the same time, it's not for everyone, obviously, with the uh, income limitations too. Right. Uh, all right, we have a few more news items we want to discuss before we jump into the comment section this week. So if you guys have any comments for us, please, please let us know. Uh, if you have any subjects you want us to discuss in the EV community, we can jump on that too. doesn't have to be necessarily related to uh, what we discussed today. And if you do enjoy the show, uh, and uh, also if you're happy about, as happy as us with the uh, Ford deal for the supercharger and the Tesla connector, uh, please start press a like, uh, thumbs up, uh, whatever it is on the app that you're watching right now because we're live everywhere. And if you do enjoy the podcast um, on the Apple podcast, you can also give us a five-star review that helps the show tremendously. We appreciate every single one of them. We got two of them last week that uh, we read and we liked you guys' comments. Thank you very much. All right. So Cadillac announces the Escalade IQ, another huge low-volume EV. Uh, that last part was my editorial uh, on it. <laughs> but... Uh, you know the Escalade is going to have a huge Hummer-like battery. They're not going to, you know, cut that down at all. Yeah. Um, GM said basically just this is the name, and we're going to announce it later this year. Yeah. But you are you comparing like when you said low volume, you, you mean more about pricing and 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 the fact that it's going to be a yeah, I mean, a big it's gonna, car or it's do be a hundred thousand like... dollar vehicle, I would assume. Yeah, because also you have the fact like you, you you can literally compare it when it uh, comes to Cadillac. You have the Celestic, which is like literally like a, a hand built three hundred thousand dollar car. So I hope they don't do that with the Escalade because the Escalade is a, on the gasoline powered side of things. It's a fairly high volume car, is it? Yeah, it's their best selling vehicle. But yeah. Cadillac's not a huge seller, uh, you know, of vehicles. But overall, um, yeah. But. uh you know, and and the other thing is when we went to the GM Battery Day event right before the pandemic, they had an Escalade EV and it was huge. Like it, it, like the wheels were just everything about it was just a monster. So that's immediately what I conjured up when the announcement came. Um, I I kind of hope they scale that back, um, but you know, the, I don't know if they will. Uh, Maybe we'll see something more about that uh, in the in the coming weeks and months, um, but it'll most likely use the same battery that um, the Silverado is using to get what three hundred fifty miles of range, and the Hummer EV uses um, two hundred plus kilowatt hours. It's interesting right now because uh, you know obviously Cadillac's main competitor is Lincoln, and Ford CEO uh, we talked about earlier. Jim Farley, um, Jim Farley uh, has been talking about huge batteries not being necessary or profitable or, you know, whatever. I mean, obviously, the Ford F-150 has a pretty large battery over 130, 140 kilowatt hours. But, you know, these are 200 kilowatt hours. Ram is talking about some, you know, 250 kilowatt hour batteries. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that, you know, this, this space right now is, is pretty interesting. I also had a problem with the EQ. IQ. Yeah, like, what's that about the EQ? So, <laughs> like, I understand, like, they did the Lyric and they did the Celestique. That's fine. But then, then the Escalade <laughs> IQ sounds like all of Mercedes stuff, which is EQ. Yeah. And 
I don't know. It just seemed like cheese. So anyway, what what's uh, Cadillac's goal? They 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 want to be all electric, right? By us, yep. relatively soon. Like, and they said they're not going to announce any more gas cars. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what they say. But so they're going to phase out the gasoline powered one, though. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And then the new generation, they won't be like a new generation of uh, gasoline um, cattle, uh, Escalade either. Right. And right. that came out yesterday. The uh, Hyundai and LG are making a deal to produce a very large $4.3 billion battery plant in the U.S. And I think it's coming to Georgia, if I'm right. Uh, uh, Hyundai, like the Korean, they love the, the South for their, uh, for, 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 for their battery. Uh, not just the battery, their car factories too. Um It's not just the Korean manufacturers. The uh, Germans, Germans love it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Germans love it too. Um, and uh, so, what's the? Do you see the timing on this thing? Uh, I don't remember exactly. Uh, I'm looking for it here. Uh, Enough thirty thirty gigawatt hour of batteries. Okay, so that's that makes sense for well, yeah, for a four point three billion dollars investment. 2025 right at the earliest yeah yeah 3000 jobs that's good yeah construction in the second half of the year it's in Bryan County I don't know where that is in Georgia Bryan County yeah good news for people there there's a lot of jobs uh, 3000 jobs or something like that's from, generally that's the size for these uh, these large factories all right let's jump into the, the comment section All right, we had a bunch at the beginning when we were talking about the uh, Ford Nax. So let's jump into those. Dan mm-hmm. Overstay, uh, question: Do you think Ford will change the location of the charge port? We did talk about that yeah. a little bit. Um, that would be great if they did, or maybe they put the, you know, the CCS in one spot and the and the Nax in yeah, another. Yeah, it depends if they do with they go with the dual chargers or not. Yeah, probably not economical to do that though. Mm-hmm. Uh, did Ford just create a nightmare scenario where CCS standard is eroded? I'm concerned that this was a real tipping point towards massive confusion in the industry. It will be CCS regardless because Nax, Nax is, is in, a, is in a, a protocol they have written as a standard. Yeah, Nax, I believe, uses the CCS protocol. Yeah, they do. So, I mean, it's just... The, it's a connector. Is yeah, a connector. Is, yeah. Just metal, touching metal. Like, yeah. And the uh, connector itself, the design of the connector is undeniably better than CCS. Like it's right. Just... Smaller, easier, everything. So Yeah. But uh, I, I understand Carl's concern though, obviously. Like it, it, so no one wants like to have like a different standard and everything. So we we t- we thought that Tesla was gonna uh, fold. Uh now seems to be very much alive. So obviously, like you you want the best design to win. Um So you would want the the Nax to 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 take over. Uh, it could create like a hardcore thing for a little bit. Like I don't know if let, let's let's say that it, nothing else happened. Like it's just Ford and Tesla versus everybody else on CCS. Is that that huge of a deal? Like it's just it, it's not that different than what we have right now. Uh, especially if that adapter is available to everybody else, and they just. But I, I think I think like if it stays like that, it's just it gives Tesla and Ford the advantage. Like you just you have a little bit smoother experience with those two on the supercharger network, which is by far the best charging network 
in the Houston. So that's really the changing point is like how much better is the supercharger network to everybody else? So how smooth of an experience you want on that? And if Tesla and Ford have the advantage there, that's good. Um, so yeah, I mean, if if the others, and when I mean the others, I mean the automakers and the charging networks don't want to get on board with Max, that's fine. But then they're going to have to hub their game a lot to be able to compensate for how smooth the supercharger experience is. Um, so I guess that's the decision they have to make right now. It's like, do we get better at what we do? Or do we fold and just use Tesla stuff? Uh, which is not necessarily Tesla stuff anymore. It's snacks. Um, but uh, honestly, like this, th- this is one of those, like I think that the, I know I've seen some of the naysayers at Tesla that are saying, oh, it's just, it's just like a money grab because of the uh, money for, for charging station for the federal government that requires more than one. Like, if that was just a money grab, there's a lot easier ways to do it. And that easier way is that magic duck thing. Like just do the magic duck and don't care about what other automakers do or don't with their EVs. Uh, so I don't think it's a ma- uh, like a money grab. I think it's literally like the Tesla mission to accelerate the advent of EVs. And if everybody used the NAX, it's going to help uh, – those EVs to sell more. It's as simple as that. So I think this yeah. is one of those things where it's actually like Tesla has done the mission thing more than anything else. It's not, it's not a money grab or anything like that. Yeah. I'm convinced. Like usually yeah. I'm, I'm skeptical, yeah. but I think, uh, and, and we've always said that the Tesla charger handle is better. Like, it, yeah. like there's no question. It's just, <laughs> you just need to see them. You just need to handle them. Like it's just, there's no, there's no argument. All right, Stacy Drennan from uh, Facebook says, "Absolutely no way, CS, CCS wins North America after this." Yeah. I think they need one more. I think they, they need to to seal the deal. I think to, to be a real domino effect, like it, fair to Ford, like give all the credit to Ford, the first to do it, takes a lot of courage and all that, and they would they technically would start the domino effect. But I need to, to see it start. I need to see another one fall. <laughs> and I, I don't think it needs to be like GM or like one of the huge one, but just one more to make a, a, a difference. That would be nice. Yeah, maybe uh, Hyundai or or uh, yeah, a Korean would be like great. Like yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, sounded during the announcement that pricing for the charging wasn't confirmed either. Yeah, I think we're early days on this stuff, but it sounded like they were going to be reasonable at least. Yeah, Farley mentioned something about like not not necessarily like per the kilowatt hour, but like some subscription service and things like that that could be also offered. He said there's going to be several options. Yeah, I'm all, think, I'm all for options. I think didn't Elon say something like it was going to be the same price for Tesla owners as Ford owners? Oh, for, I didn't. I didn't remember hearing that. Let maybe me, I'm making that up. I don't know. I I feel like I I heard that. Uh, By the way, uh, Twitter Spaces not the best place to get a uh, news conference. <laughs> I I have to say like. Both of them were pretty bad. Uh, and were they even in the same room, for, uh, Farley and, and Elon? No, or were they, yeah, I don't they think were. so. You don't need to be in the same room for Twister Space. That's right. the whole idea, though. Uh, I mean, uh, this one wasn't bad. Like, uh, I know, like, the descent this one, they, they, before there was an issue and they had to restart on uh, another page than Elon's, but Elon's claimed that it was because there was too many people coming to this page. But to be honest, like, the... It sounded sound a lot like you know when Trump said that his inauguration it was record people and all that like they kept like always like lying about the crowds and everything. It sounded a lot like that because like oh like, this is huge this is the biggest Twitter space of all time and they were three hundred thousand people which is nice like it's a lot of people like congrats 
but is like that sounds like TV ratings to me. Like it's not is it that difference? Like it's TV ratings three hundred thousand sounds like CNBC has probably that like three hundred thousand people. All right, uh, Carl in San Diego, Magidoc will be abandoned. Uh, it is interesting that they haven't kept going with the, the Magic Doc. Um, just, just an observation. They they rolled out what seven Magic Doc stations, and that, and zero after that. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe they sh- they gave it up because of that. Yeah, and you know, Stacy has a good point. Magic Doc is the adapter. I mean, it's basically like one side is Tesla and one side is uh, CCS, and it's not not rocket yeah. science. All right, let's keep moving through these. Tesla monopoly and U.S. charging network is a huge bad risk, too big to fail. Oh, there's uh, no monopoly at all. Like uh, build, like anybody can build a charger. It's not, yeah. and they have. There, right. there is another charger. There's several, several other networks. They're just not as good. Like, I cannot blame like a Tesla for not being for being better than the others. Yeah, I know. It's it's and and uh, Electrify America had free money, like. Yeah. It's uh, kind of on them, really. Uh, looks like there's room to play. Okay, so now we're talking about the Cybertruck. Uh, looks like there's room to play foosball <laughs> on the Mash of Dash. Uh, it's still better than the Yoke. Uh, Syl- Sylvian says about the... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think I think the new steering wheel is better. And Carl thinks the Dash is a dog bed. Uh, probably not safe for driving, but maybe at other times. Uh, Daniel DeYoung is... Opening the network a net positive or net negative for Tesla. All right, we're back in the. Uh, seems very positive for Ford. If you're shopping Mach E versus Model Y, the biggest factor was charging. Yeah, I mean it's a net positive on the on like if you want to have a bigger charging business, but yeah, I, I, it does give uh, it does remove an advantage that you have, and that now it's not just you that you have it; you have a competitor that has it too. Um, I, but again, that's why I'm saying like it's it's a mission move. It's not like a business move. I think it's very much about the mission. So I don't I don't really care really if uh, if it's a net positive or not. It's a net positive for EVs and for consumers in the in the U.S. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on a little bit. It's not a monopoly. Anybody can use the plug and make the charger. Now it's a better plug anyway. Plus Tesla actually maintains their network. So they dig yeah. at the other. The dash is where you can carry full sheets of plywood. Everybody's been worried about. Okay. Yeah, that was a thing. Like with the bed, people want to know if they can lay a full sheet of plywood in it. Uh, do we have any idea how profitable the charging network is for Tesla? I mean, up until recently, it's been kind of a break even. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Tesla is starting to make some money on that. Like the the, the thing is that uh, it, it's in the column in the row about service and everything else so i think service is probably the biggest part of it actual service uh, but also obviously used car business is also in there that's also huge uh, so i think charging is not a big one in there but it did turn positive uh recently so uh it is somewhat profitable no we don't know the answer is that we don't know if it's profitable or not uh, i think it can be long term for sure um yeah all right. Have you ever used the on-route charger in Ontario? They're right off the highway and have both CCS and Tesla adapters, but I don't think Tesla installed their own. I'm not familiar with those. Yeah, those are, are uh, truck stops, I think, in that way. 
Uh, solid state, anything new in solid state battery in the EV industry? I'm following uh, QuantumScape and solid, uh, uh, solid power fairly closely. I think they are the two that are closest to, to bring into production. Uh, and they both are look like they are on pace for having uh, automotive-grade batteries this year, later this year. It sounds like it. It sounds like they're both like around uh, getting close to it. Uh, we heard that one before, obviously, so um, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, it, it looks... It, Looks like we're getting fairly close. It's in the next maybe twelve months. Uh, automakers are gonna have something that they, they they can test out in their cars, and uh, well, that doesn't need commercial production just yet. But at least that's what's encouraging about solid state and quantum scape is, is they're not just like labs trying to make um, prototypes of cells. They are their cells are meant to be mass produced. So that's the encouraging part. All right. Uh, so much factory growth in the face of a recession is super risky for Tesla, already facing demand slowing. It's like they didn't notice. I think they've got a lot of cash, though, on hand, Tesla does. A lot of cash on hand. And the, uh, I think the latest price cut did help a lot with, on that front. Um, All right. Uh, so talking about the i5, it's kind of the, the same motors as yeah. the i4s but bigger trunk and room uh his love army can you expand on the power wall almost being free if you are in california uh that's that's getting paid back from those super peaks yeah yeah they've been they've been a change in the in, in the net metering uh, laws uh, lately and uh, laws or rules or whatever uh and uh now, like the paybacks are like extremely low, like more like disappointingly low most of the time, but super super high in September and like a few days in September, uh, when when it's known that the power grid in California needs help. Uh, so just those few days, you can make like hundreds of dollars every year uh, from having a power wall. So I'm, I'm not maybe not exactly free, but it, it does compensate for the cost of having a power wall, which then you can use for like off grid uh, if if you lose the power because of outages and all that. So you can get all the benefits and having the cost being covered by this uh, these few days that you can make hundred dollars, hundreds of dollars. Um, Carl and San Diego, I don't think the Nax connector can handle liquid cooling. While I think liquid cooling is overkill, it's where the 350 kilowatt charging was taking us. No, it doesn't. It yeah, doesn't. <laughs> liquid cooling. It, yeah. it has liquid cooling. Yeah. Um, moving on. Bill, bill pit. pit. Do you think Tesla is giving with a bill pit? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, Monroe took apart the, uh, uh, Hummer EV pack. I didn't check that out. I, I didn't see any news coming out of that. Did you watch that at all? No. Okay. Uh, do you think Tesla is expanding its supercharger network fast enough to keep up with demand? Uh, I mean, to keep up with demand, that's a good question. Uh, like they, they are expanding it fast. Uh, I think so. The, the keep up with demand part is like there is going to be some bottlenecks at times, and, and but those are generally like in, in some specific regions. So Tesla doesn't doesn't skimp on this. At least like they when they do deploy a new station, they do deploy at least six chargers, which is unlike most of them. And most of the time, it is most of the, unlike most of the other networks. 
And most of the time, it's way more than six. It's eight, 12, 20, 40 sometimes. So uh, I, I think we see Tesla now like focusing more on getting those extra charging station to help areas that are bottlenecks. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tesla is pretty smart on that. Like they have all the data to do it. Like they know like, okay, like we, they know like a surge of demand in a specific area. They know the capacity of their network there. They have all the data to do it. When this doesn't go right, I think it's more of an issue of like, there's so many things that can slow down an installation of a supercharger station. There's just so many factors that have to come together at once to make a station happen that if there's a delay on one, then that's when, okay, like then they were back up on the capacity in a region and then boom, it's Thanksgiving and everybody is traveling. And then that's where you get those lines happening. Yeah. All right. uh, Moving on. Uh, does the Escalade have a frunk? We know nothing about the Escalade. Uh, it's huge. Uh, why not? Maybe uh, it it might be hard to reach. It's so big. So that that's uh, the frunk. Yeah. Uh, when superchargers get full or have only one spot, the software could show zero available to Ford and other drivers, leaving the last spot for Tesla. Thoughts? Uh, that would be not kind of great. misleading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what Tesla needs though is like some kind of like queuing system in the uh, app for uh, before when the stations are are full. That would that would take care of some of that. Okay. Uh, so having I'm the Twitter, not a fan of Barra there, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Turkey Turkeyneck. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that I I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Anyway, agree, uh, Carl and San Diego agree having Twitter announcement 24 hours after DeSantis announcement was super bad optics for Ford. Musk and DeSantis are both anti-union. It did sound... So I have to say, like, Ford kind of capitulating, I would say, a little bit. Uh, was a little bit... It just felt like a little bit like, you know... you know, It just felt like Ford had... And, and rightfully so, they had, you know their network sucks, their charging network, you know, the Ford network wasn't any good. So they're capitulating. It's going to be better for their customers. So good for Ford for doing it, but they're not uh, walking around. And make, making the announcement on Twitter. I think that's just, that's, that's Elon these days. Like if you, if you want to do some kind of announcement, some, something with Elon, you're going to have to do it on Twitter space. The guy is, is right. full on pushing Twitter right now. That's what he right. wants to do. So. All right, Carl in San Diego, the point about Tesla monopoly is that if every other manufacturer adopts Nax, then relies on Tesla network versus doing deals with other networks to help them grow. Then no, Tesla could be no, 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 that's not the deal. Like, like if you adopt Nax, like Nax is an open standard right now. So anyone can build the chargers also and operate their own networks with the same connectors. That's it. So, and we already see that happening. If you go as the, the Nax now on, on some of the station and it's growing on more stations. So, uh, Electrify America can do the same if they want, and all, and so on. So uh, that's there's not going to be any monopoly. It's not it's not going to be like a, a, like. Uh, I know I know the fear on this and the fear like if there was like just Shell has haul the gas station in the world, then obviously they can control the pricing and all that. And not that there's not be any can, what what do you call that in English when uh, they all gang together and fix the price. Oh, uh, like OPEC, uh, uh, cartel. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) it's basically cartel. Yeah. So, 
uh, yeah, there's there's not going to be that because, well, first of all, it's not like oil also. Like the price of the rates at the charging station are so relying on uh, electricity rates that uh, it's all going to depend on who produces electricity at what rates. Uh, but the chargers themselves, they can be anyone can build them with uh, with an axe right now. So, yeah, it's not a monopoly anymore. All right. Uh, so then with the last one, Tesla also announced today that they are opening up chargers in Canada to other cars and creating an Ottawa Sudbury charging corridor for other brands. Were you aware of this? Yeah, I mean, we did a report on the uh, the corridor earlier this week. I think now Tesla is like getting onto the deal where they're going to facilitate that by opening the supercharger on those corridor arms. I mean, we, we knew that it was going to happen. We knew that Tesla is just going to open all the, the station eventually. So I, I think they just got on board for the specific section that they're opening. All right, cool. That's it. Well, that's it for us today. Everyone, thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And we're going to see you same time, same place next week.